Welcome to the Leadline Podcast, the show where we believe that running your own horse business should feel less like a chore and more like the life you've always dreamed of. Join us as we share valuable advice on how to become more focused, more organized, and more profitable in your horse business. And now, here's your host, Mandy Flanders. Well, we are back for another episode. And today we are going to talk about building your team, delegation, and how to hire your first assistant for your horse business. I'm joined here by Tista Wicklow. Did I say that right, Tista? Yes, you did. Okay, perfect. <laughs> just, just double checking. <laughs> so Tista, we've known each other through social media for a minute. And you have a business where you help people delegate and better build their systems so that they can focus on what I like to call their zone of genius. And you take on those extra tasks in the business that maybe they need a little bit of help with. So we're going to dive into that a little bit today. And I'm excited. Awesome. Super excited too. Great. Well, first and foremost, what exactly do you do as an assistant at the equestrian business manager? Yeah, great question. So as an online business manager, a lot of what I do is strategy plus implementation. So I help equestrian entrepreneurs kind of get that high level view of their business, whether they already have an online aspect to their equestrian business or are looking to bring part of their business online. And we look over the whole business, decide what is important, where to get started, what kind of systems they need to get in place to have success and have growth. And then I'll jump in and get things rolling and then help them um, if delegating is something they need to do or hiring an additional team members. That's something I help set them up with as well. We see a lot of equestrian entrepreneurs trying to do everything themselves. And I can speak from personal experience. When you try to do everything, a lot of times what happens, at least in my life, is I, I get nothing done. So I don't know if that sounds relatable for some of our listeners. But when there's too much to do, I almost don't feel like I know what to tackle first. And I have learned in my time as a business owner that outsourcing and delegating can make a massive difference in my business. So talk to me a little bit about why you wanted to become an equestrian business assistant and why that was even something that you wanted to pursue doing. Yeah. So I've been doing assistant work in different capacities for almost a decade now. I've worked with different industries, um, different entrepreneurs, CEOs. And what I found is that I really thrive when I'm kind of making connections and I'm just getting into the nitty gritty details and helping people sort of fill the gaps and see, you know, since they're so in it. And I think that's a hard thing about being an entrepreneur and especially about being a horse person. We're so used to doing things ourselves um, and we get, we're really good at like getting gritty and getting in there <laughs> and getting the stuff done. But that means we're sometimes not taking that sort of like, you know, high level view that we should have. Um, being able to see everything more holistically. And then also, you know, as your role as an entrepreneur, as a CEO of your company, um, something you always want to be doing is sort of like driving the big vision. So you know where the company is going. You, you have the five-year, the 10-year plan. Great. Hopefully you do <laughs> in place. So when you have that, and then you're also stuck in working everything in your business, you're like part of every detail. There's just these gaps where you can't necessarily see how you need to fill it to be able to like reach that goal. Um, and reach that growth that you want to achieve. So I really like jumping into those sort of gaps and saying like, hey, like you have so much opportunity here. We just need to tweak a few things. Or if we systemize this, if we automated something here, or implemented a new tech system, um, this would be so much smoother, we could free up time for you and you could start these new adventures. So I love just being able to jump in and make connections for people in their business. And I love being able to support equestrians who have, or who are really mission oriented. Um, so that's something that's super important to me is that all the people that I work with, um, I really believe in what they're doing and their vision. And I think that they're making the equestrian space better and honestly, horses' lives better 
Um, so that's something that is really beautiful for me in my role is being able to support that and support their expertise. Are there any specific areas of business where you have seen a consistent trend where people are getting stuck? Yeah, definitely the delegation um, is hard, especially as sort of like a newer business owner or when you're just getting ready to make that first step to bring people onto your team. Because we are so good at just getting things done ourselves because we're used to doing that with the horses. We're like, hey, you know, I don't have a trimmer in my area. I guess I'll learn how to trim feet. <laughs> you know, I'm um, just taking everything there. Um, I think it's really hard people to get into a good delegation mindset where they really understand how to work with others to help them understand their vision and their business. And then to really like just give them the reins and be like, okay, go do it um, and not micromanage um, and not kind of get murky with the goals and the expectations. So I definitely think there's a lot of opportunity for, for equestrian people to um, be able to rely on each other more and kind of like and grow in that space and having that team. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, now that you mentioned it, I think that horse girls specifically are a very independent breed. Yes. <laughs> we <laughs> love doing things ourselves. Or we just simply don't trust anyone to do them, those tasks as good as us, right? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. As you should. I mean, it's your your business is kind of like your baby, right? And it's, you, you care about it. You really have your heart and soul in it. I mean, the people I work with certainly do. So it's really scary to kind of take that first step and be like, okay, you go, you go do this, especially when it's something maybe that they're doing that's going to be client facing or is going to be on your social media. And you're really trusting that person to be able to speak with your voice. And to really like inhabit your values um, and really speak to the value that you're bringing that your your clients and your customers. So since we're talking about getting an assistant and building a team, that first step can be daunting, like you were just saying. And finding the right person is something that is super important. So if someone's looking to get help in their business, what is the first step they should take to ensure they find the right individual to put into that role? Mm, yeah, that's such a good question. So I think there are a few things I want to clear up before kind of diving into that. And it's sort of just about, you know, what is an assistant? Like, who are you looking for? That type of thing. Um, and then are you ready? So we'll start there. So are you ready, first of all, to hire an assistant? Um, I think you need to make sure that the revenue is there, um, that your company is in a place where you are ready to bring in other team members. And it can be in a small capacity. I mean, you can hire an assistant really like at minimum for, you know, $10 an hour just for a couple hours a week to start. And that's something very affordable that you can get started on. But there just does need to be enough buffer there that it's not going to feel like every month you're really scrambling to be able to make sure that person's invoices are paid on time and everything. So that's the number one. The number two is, do you have enough time and systems already kind of in place where you can do that handoff, right? So when you bring someone on, you're bringing someone on with the hope that they're going to save you time and they should. In the initial period, though, there's always going to be a little bit of extra work as you, you onboard them to your team and you help them get up to speed on it, all the tech that you use and how you do things. And if you don't have those systems there, which probably a lot of you, if you're looking to hire your first assistant, you don't, <laughs> which is totally fine. You just do need to have a little bit of like mental capacity and like the mindset of being like, I'm ready for this. I want to do this. So it doesn't feel like, oh, wow, I just hired this person. And now I have like a ton more work I didn't have before. So that's definitely important. And then understanding too, a little bit about like, the different kinds of people that you can start with and where to start. So most people who are probably listening to this podcast aren't ready for a full-time employee. So there's um, two ways you can go. You can hire a full-time or a part-time W-2 if you're in the United States, or you can hire a contract worker. And pretty much everyone listening today, I would say you're going to go with a contract worker. Industry standard kind of says like you typically don't want to hire like an actual employee who's going to be W-2'd for your company until you're like at a, like a seven-figure mark. Even so, you can work with contractors for quite a while in your business, and it's a really wonderful opportunity because you get to meet a lot of different people and have people working on their specialty in your business. So, if you're looking at contractors, the next kind of step is to figure out you know, how much time do you really need support on, and then where do you want to start with that support. 
So in the virtual space, um, virtual assistants can really range in the kind of support that they offer, and they'll either niche down based on their skill set or based down on the industry. So you might be thinking like, okay, well, obviously I want to hire an equestrian assistant. I want to hire someone who knows the horse world. But I would actually say that for most equestrian entrepreneurs, that's probably not the first hire that you need. I would actually recommend that you be looking at who are the virtual assistants who really know this one piece of my business that's really crucial to it running really, really well. Um, So that might be someone who really understands your tech stack for your business, who can help optimize your website or your sales flow, whatever that is. Or um, someone who can really help you with your social media or, you know, their operations. Like you really do need that systems help. So you need someone who has experience like building systems and SOPs. So I definitely would focus on contractors who are skilled based that match your business needs before looking for like an equestrian specific person. When you are looking for an equestrian specific person, which is fantastic and so exciting, um, I would say like for that, you're looking for more someone who can really um, help you with sort of like copywriting, content creation, sort of anything that is that requires that little level of knowledge where they need to know the difference between dressage and reining, for example. So when you get to that level with that person, that's really great too. But starting out, I would kind of just sort of look in your business, where do you need the most support either in offloading things that you know how to do or support with things you don't know how to do? What skills are involved there? What experience is involved there? And then sort of like look from from that stage. I'm really glad you mentioned that because that is kind of scary when you think, do I want an equestrian or do I want someone who just has this specific skill set? And you've really got to dig into that and make that decision before you jump into hiring someone, whether it is part-time employee or a contractor, because you can't have someone running your, you know, equestrian social media and using the wrong discipline terms, you know, in your, in your copy. So that is something that you think about. But if they're not doing tasks like that, like writing your social media descriptions for your posts, maybe they're doing something like helping you respond to email or website stuff, like you mentioned. If it's something like that, it doesn't need to be someone that is in the horse world. And and oftentimes, I'll be honest, a lot of my freelancers that I work with and contractors are not in the equestrian space, but they're really good at what they do. And that's what's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think starting with those kinds of tasks that really just help you free up your time are, are so important. So yeah, the email management, calendar management, even like any kind of personal assistant work, like just helping you take all the pieces of your life and make it flow a lot easier um, and be protective of your time. So you can be really working on the business in a way that's going to have a really high high impact. Um, so definitely starting with someone who maybe has more administrative skills or personal assistant skills would be a good place to start. Oh, definitely. I want to circle back even a little bit farther to another thing you mentioned, which is that in the beginning, when you bring someone new on, it might feel like extra work. That's where people tend to get stuck because they feel like they've hired someone who's supposed to take some of that stress and load off of them. But in turn, they're feeling more stressed because they feel like they're spending a lot of time training said individual. And one recommendation that I make, and I'll, you know, if you agree, Tista, jump in. But I always try to give everything like three months as a test run to see if it's a good fit. And I do that when I go into a new role, if I'm hired for something, because I freelance too, or if I hire someone new, I give them an opportunity, depending on the task, maybe it's not a full three months, but I give it enough time where you can kind of work through those kinks and see if it's a good fit once you get over that early hump in the very beginning. Oh, totally. Yeah. I would recommend even starting with, um, I call them dating projects. So just like, you know, you're going to date someone before you marry them, hopefully. (laughs) Um, You would want to sort of date the person that you're bringing onto your team before you really make that long-term commitment. And so you could start, I always recommend starting with something that's project-based. 
So look at an area of your business. So like, yeah, my website needs an upgrade, or I really want to move my email list to a different platform, something along those lines that's sort of tangible, can have very clear deliverables and a very clear sort of start and end time. Find the person who can do that. But but when you are looking for that person, try to keep in mind other things. You'll want to delegate to them down the road, right? So the person you might find for that one project um, might not be the same person who you do want owning your copywriting later on. So keep that in mind when you're looking for them because you are looking for like hopefully a long-term fit because that will be most affordable, honestly. And then just the best from a, a time and sort of like heart space of not having to continually like meet and run through people. But starting with that project and really seeing how it goes and letting them test how they work with you and then you with them. Because even people who are just like fantastic at what they do, there's just a thing about, you know, personality differences or communication styles or even availability that you think might be there in the beginning. And then it kind of turns out life, you know, life happens, life shifts, and it's not there later on. So definitely recommend starting with that that project. You can kind of test the waters oh, <laughs> before for sure. you dive in. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing that I've said in the, you know, when I give talks and talk in the podcast, sometimes I've shared like, don't be afraid to part ways with someone. Don't stay in a quote unquote relationship, <laughs> even if it's just a professional relationship, don't sit there in something that doesn't feel right to you because you're scared to let go of it. So if it's not a good fit, move on and find someone who is because you're not going to be able to move past that until you do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people who really have a lot of integrity in their work, because you know, this person that you're bringing on your team is a professional as well. They have their own business, you know, they're, they're a freelancer. I would hope that the person would tell you, you know, like, hey, like, I know you hired me for this thing, but this is actually a little bit out of the range of what I've experienced before. I think actually you need this person. Um, that's why I always do that with my business when I'm working with anyone new. Like if I if I know that I'm not the best person for the thing, like I'm so game to help them find the best person. And I don't want, you know, I, I want their best for their business. So it's always bringing it back to like, who can really do this the best? What's really needed, you know, and not just sort of like letting the role with like excess stuff that isn't really what they need to be working on, stuff like that. So yeah, definitely. So since we're talking about delegating, I'm sure there are things in your own business, Tista, that you enjoy doing and things that you do not. <laughs> so <Definitely. laughs> give me some examples. First, tell me what you enjoy doing the most. I want to hear that first. And then we'll circle into stuff that maybe you don't like so much. Mm, that's such a good question. Gosh, stuff I love doing. I get really into design aspects. So like creating, like creating my website, I love doing, like getting into that creating graphics for social media, that type of thing. I love writing too. I'm actually, you know, like lifetime writer. I love writing, but it's really hard for me to do it in the, in, in like a salesy way sometimes, or when I like in the way that I know I'm trying to communicate this one particular aspect, I can spend like way too much time on it. So that's something I'm like, oh, that'd be so nice to, <laughs> to, to delegate out, just kind of um, taking my ideas and being able to like polish them up in the, in the right way. Other than that, I love, I love like sort of the community aspect of, of work and being able to communicate, but then it can get really difficult to schedule all the time, right? So having someone in my calendar, like scheduling things would be so, so amazing too. That's definitely one I recommend all people is like get someone to optimize your calendar because that will just save you so much time and headaches. <laughs> yeah. I think once you get to the point where you start missing meetings or forgetting to add things to your calendar, that's when you especially know that it's time to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's easy to do because, you know, we're at the barn, like we're having a nice time out with our horses. We don't want to be looking at our calendar. No, <laughs> so. no, exactly. Okay. So give me some examples of stuff that you like, that you hate, <laughs> that you hate doing in your business. Yeah, gosh, I, I need to get better at the sales aspect of it. I have a hard time like reaching out and following up with, uh, with people who, cause I'm like, well, if they, if they need it, they'll find me. It's <laughs> kind of the, the attitude. I know there needs to be more follow up. I hate, I just hate like the salesy part of stuff sometimes. So I think that's a mindset thing for me. And it is for a lot of other questions I've talked to um, as well. It's just that little bit of a hard part that 
you know, your services like mean a lot to you and you're kind of like putting yourself into them. So it's hard to kind of like manage that, that relationship building sometimes. What else do I hate? Oh, bookkeeping. Like uh, any other... <laughs> oh, a lot of us do. I bet if we took a poll like right now from our listeners and asked like who enjoyed bookkeeping and who didn't, I think that it would be a very high number of those who did not. Oh, <laughs> I totally. am on that list. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally. Yeah, I'm sure. Like top of the list. And then, yeah, and just like the managing all the like different tech subscriptions and canceling this and upgrades to there and just, oh my gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Well, bookkeeping is something that I outsource to. So I've got to give a plug to Krista Myers, who was on an earlier episode of The Lead Line. She does a great job. She helps me out with keeping my books in order. So I'm finally getting better at QuickBooks. Do you use QuickBooks for anything in any of your delegation? I know. I'm such an all. I'm like in a spreadsheet still. <laughs> I, need to, I need to get with me. Yeah, Krista's amazing. So that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Well, speaking of spreadsheets and tools that we use in our business, is there anything that you use on a daily basis that you recommend that people implement to get better organized? Mm, Yeah, totally. So especially as you're kind of working with more people um, and bring people onto your team, I love Slack. So Slack's a communication tool. It's great because you can have different channels in it. So you can kind of organize based on project or topic. And it's just an easier way to kind of keep all the communication flowing. Um, And you can save things, you can set reminders for yourself. So I love that in terms of just sort of team communication and keeping it all in one space. So you're not like on WhatsApp and then an instant message and then a Facebook message like all over the place. And then emails, like stay out of emails as much as you can too. So love Slack. I love Google Workspace. And I think just having your your whole workspace set up in a way that's really easy to manage, especially just like the high amount of like materials. Like if you're doing a course launch or something like that, there's just so much stuff that comes up. So if you already have like a really good, you know, like drive or cloud situation set up with like good naming conventions, and you just like put in that extra little time, or you have your assistant put in that little extra time every day to make sure things are put in the right place and organized where they should be, it's so, so much easier down the road. So definitely recommend getting yourself like on a, a Google Drive system or something along those lines um, so you will work, work efficiently there. And then um, project management. So I think we all kind of know about, you know, like Asana and ClickUp and Trello and all these things. There's tons of different tools to be able to do this. It really doesn't matter which one you use as long as it works for you. But really having that commitment to always be bringing it back to the project management system and updating there and sharing and delegating with your team there, even just with yourself, honestly, like if you're still a solo, like team of one, you're not working with anyone yet, like get yourself in a project management system, because then you'll be able to sort of like create from there. First of all, you'll see your time, which I think is so important and see really kind of like the big things that are, are taking your time from you and where you can delegate. And then also you're going to be able to more easily create systems that you can help bring in other team members to take care of. So yeah, definitely get yourself a Slack project management and like a really streamlined drive system. Would be great. <laughs> I love all of those tools and I've used all of them myself, but I would love to know if you have any tips for someone like me who's using a platform like Asana. I've gone in and I've tried to set them up and I've used them for like a week. And I always think I'm doing a great job. And then I just kind of fall off the wagon. So do you have any advice for people like myself who try to get more organized, but find themselves just kind of falling off and not sticking to using these systems that could help better streamline the business? Yeah, that's such a great question. I, I totally get the struggle. I think starting off with um, making it simple. So like, don't get over complicated and like, you know, having subtasks and subtasks that have subtasks and you know, and this has to be on this date and whatever, like try to keep it really simple and even just start with like what's daily for you. So put it in your, you know, checking email, um, checking social media, posting here, just putting those like daily reoccurring things. And once you get in the habit of sort of like checking those off, because it's really rewarding too, to go in there, I find it, you know, and just like click, 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 click. Oh, I'm done. Okay, great. So start off with the really simple things that you do every day. 
And then start with um, maybe just even one project that you know is like not going to be too big. It's not going to become like a big, hairy, scary thing. And then um, keep it really simple in the way that you've organized it. And just keep bringing yourself back to it and put even time in your calendar or on your to-do list to do that. So just make it a habit at like beginning of the day, you start with your project management. What do I need to do today? And then end of the day, check everything off that you did, see what what's coming up the next day, the next week, the next month, et cetera. And once you kind of get into that routine and that flow, like you'll start enjoying it because it'll just make things so much easier. And then you'll, when you'll have to work with anyone who isn't in that and who doesn't have that kind of system, you're like, oh, wow, this is so much less efficient. Like we definitely need to get into a project management system. So I think once you get rolling with it, um, you kind of give yourself those rewards of like checking things off the list. You'll, you'll like it more. <laughs> I do love checking things off. I have like the paper to-do list. So sometimes I will add a task that wasn't on the list that I completed because I just want to like cross it off and say, okay, I did it. <laughs> so Absolutely. I it. One thing that also just came to mind as you were sharing having your daily tasks and an online project manager are, you know, if you are someone who's thinking about eventually adding to your team or getting an assistant or or building even a much bigger team, you can't have all of your work and all of your tasks in your own brain, if that's the case. They need to be somewhere central where the rest of your team will be able to access it because it's going to simplify it for everyone. So getting into the habit of putting those tasks somewhere, someplace on the internet, on your email or in your Google Drive, wherever, it's also going to save you time when you do bring that person on to say, okay, here's the daily tasks that I know I'm doing right now. And here's the ones I need help with. Do you see some of that with your clients too? Oh, absolutely. And I think that can be, again, something that people just sort of like get overwhelmed by and let perfect be the enemy of the good over, right? Like yeah. you feel like, oh, I have to have this perfectly built out. I have to have it all organized. I have to be able to like perfectly explain everything, da, 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 da. Like, no, like literally what you can start, like open a doc, like just grab a document, make sure it's shareable. And then like, just list it, like just brain dump, make it, or even like your, if you have Apple notes or whatever on your phone, just have that, just put anything in there as it comes to you. And then have that assistant or that person on your team who's managing things for you, organize it and they can put it in the project management and they can take it and then ask any follow-up questions, but literally just have one spot and keep it one spot. Like it's just that one document or it's that one notes or whatever everything just listed out. It's messy. You can add voice memos. You can just shoot a really quick video, add it in there, whatever. But um, just get it into that one spot and then take it from there. And either you, you can then organize or your assistant can then sort of like organize and delegate based on that. But don't get overwhelmed by how much there is. I think that's really easy for all of us to do and just start small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And think about the things that people would need to know if they were to join your team. My other thought is like, you don't just want to just train the person say, well, I'm going to train this one person. They already know what to do. Or maybe you already have the team member and they already know what to do. Well, what happens if that person leaves and you haven't put your information anywhere in an accessible place and the person with all of the knowledge has now left? You end up in the same situation. So putting it in a central place, maybe it's as simple as having a sheet for, I don't know, maybe like your typical... Instagram post descriptions with the hashtags you like to use, or maybe you write blog posts and that's something that you want to outsource. Just having some examples of how to go in, like upload that content, have the password somewhere safe, putting it somewhere central where your brain isn't the only one that contains that data. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's actually one of the services I offer is like a full SOP systems build out. Like let's literally make everything like an SOP, which if you're listening, you don't know what that is. It's a standard operating procedure. So it's basically just like a recipe of how you do whatever element in your business that you have. Um, but just literally like having a sheet that's like a one, your major playbook, like your business playbook, 
you have an SOP on how to make SOPs is the number one that you need to make. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then everything else out from there. And it can be like, yeah, as, um, into the details of just like how to communicate with this particular type of client or like how to create an email template or how to whatever it is. That's so valuable if you can if you can start to build that. And then also, you know, when you are looking into bringing someone on your team, no matter what area they're working in, you know, so maybe it's you're like, oh, I want a Pinterest manager to come on my team. Ask them in the beginning, you know, when you're getting to know them, like, hey, what's your experience within building systems for businesses around Pinterest management? Will you provide any SOPs as part of your work um, with my business? You know, so when they do leave, uh, hopefully, again, like all contractors are coming to this situation being like, they want to set you up for success. They want to leave your business better than how they found it. So a really great person would say like, yes, absolutely. I want to make sure that you're always set up to be able to do this yourself if you needed to, or be able to transfer it to the next person who you're going to have come along. Well, Tisa, you have shared some great advice today. And I think this is going to be so helpful for people who are considering building a team. Maybe they're ready to build the team now, or they're looking into the future to see how they can go about doing that. So thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you do? Absolutely. You can find my website, equestrianbusinessmanager.com or on Instagram at equestrianbusinessmanager. Those are the two best places to find me right now. And yeah, I'm so grateful to have had this chat with you. And I'm super excited to hear from your community and your network, you know, what what resonated with them and um, how this will help them make that first, first step towards building a team. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you're a horse business owner or equestrian professional, I invite you to continue the conversation by joining our free email club. The Leadline Email Club is a great way to be first in line for new episode notifications, upcoming networking event alerts, and exclusive subscriber content. You can become a member for free today by visiting theleadlinepodcast.com slash email club. That's theleadlinepodcast.com slash email club to receive exclusive horse business content. I'm Mandy, and I'll see you next time. Oh,